Hey there, Greenflower Nation. This is just a quick note before we begin the show to let you know that our new semester of Greenflower Academy is open right now. So if you're looking for the highest quality training around how to succeed in different sectors of the cannabis industry, from medical to cultivation to retail sales, make sure to visit green-flower.com forward slash academy today for all the details. Enrollment is only open for a limited time, so check it out now. And now, onto the show. Hey there, and welcome to the final episode of Greenflower Nation Season 1, a show to explore and understand the impact cannabis is having on our society today. I'm your host, Max Simon, the CEO of Greenflower, who's the leader in cannabis education, and I'm a cannabis patient myself. On today's episode, we're exploring a topic that has enormous potential when it comes to the health and well-being of very important members of our families, our pets. You see, pets get sick, or they get old, or they get anxious too. And many people are turning to cannabis as a natural and effective tool for their four-legged friends. In today's episode, we'll speak with a renowned veterinarian who's been leading the charge on educating pet owners and other vets about the benefits of cannabis. We'll talk to a pet product innovator who's built an amazing business that's all about cannabis for pet products. And we'll speak to an individual whose pet successfully used cannabis to treat an aggressive form of cancer. If you care about your animals as much as we do, you'll love this episode. So let's dive in. Now, I don't know about you, but in our household, we love our pets like family. And though it's not always my first choice, our dogs sleep in bed with us, our cats make it into the holiday cards, and the ring bearer at my wedding was, yep, you guessed it, our little dog Einstein. So when our pets get sick, or anxious, or start to experience aging problems, we take it very, very seriously. And it's for this very reason that cannabis for pets has become an increasingly important topic in the world, because certain ingredients in the cannabis plant are proving to be extremely effective when it comes to treating various different issues that our furry friends face. To learn more, we spoke with holistic veterinarian and scientist Dr. Gary Richter. In addition to being a best-selling author of the book, The Ultimate Pet Health Guide, Gary has become a nationwide expert on separating fact from fiction when it comes to cannabis from your pets. This is why we produced a Cannabis for Pets online course with Gary and his colleague Rob Silver on Greenflower. What are the reasons why cannabis comes up in conversations primarily when it comes to pets? Pet owners are bringing their questions to their veterinarian. California being what it is, we've had legal medicinal cannabis in this state since 96. And, you know, with the passage of Prop 64, pretty much anyone over the age of 21 can buy cannabis in the state. And because of that, so many people are having positive experiences with cannabis as medicine for themselves. It's really not surprising that they would want to see if those same benefits are applicable to their pets. So interestingly, from a medical perspective, the concept of cannabis as medicine is something that in many ways pet owners have brought to the veterinary profession rather than the other way around. But now where we're at is, you know, the veterinary profession, I think, is starting to realize that we're a little bit behind the curve, um, you know, as as a profession. And now there's definitely a lot of interest uh, in many veterinarians for getting caught up, so to speak, so that when they do encounter these questions, they're able to give educated and proper advice. And is it all the same reasons why humans are using it? Is it pain and sleep and arthritis and all those kinds of things? Like what's the driving conditions by which people are seeking? cannabis as a treatment for their pets? 
You know what? It's pretty much everything that you can think of that people might use cannabis for medically is potentially applicable in pets. Now, I think it's it's fair to say that the animal-specific research we have is really in its early stages. We do have studies out that show that cannabis can be beneficial for arthritis pain in dogs. And we have a study that recently came out that showed that cannabis can be beneficial to help with seizures in dogs. So those are two things we actually have veterinary specific research on. But the reality is, is, is while there are clearly differences in the endocannabinoid system, say between dogs and people, we all have the same endocannabinoid system in the broader sense. So there's no reason to think that if something works in people, we should expect that there's probably going to be similar effects in animals. And so I think that's a good concept to introduce that, you know, we've talked about in earlier episodes that one of the ways cannabis works is it responds to this endocannabinoid system, which creates a sense of balance in the body, yada, yada, yada. Do all pets have this endocannabinoid system? Oh, yes, absolutely. All animals have an endocannabinoid system going back to some extremely primitive animals like marine invertebrates, nematodes, these sorts of things. So pretty much any complex animal and certainly all mammals that you can think of have an endocannabinoid system. So interesting, isn't it? And so anecdotally, I know that there's, you know, very early on the clinical trial side, but anecdotally, does cannabis have a positive influence on other things that these pets are dealing with? Outside of the the sort of researched arthritis and seizures, we have certainly seen pets do better when it comes to anxiety, gastrointestinal issues, other forms of pain that, you know, that go beyond arthritis. We've seen animals with cancer that seem to do better, not only from the progression of the cancer perspective, but also from the overall quality of life perspective. And that is particularly true if these animals are, say, concurrently going through, say, chemotherapy or radiation. Cannabis is, A, it's a, it's a radiation sensitizer, so it actually helps radiation work better. And B, there is some evidence to suggest that it may also potentially help chemotherapy work better. But one of the things that I think is really important for that is it helps mitigate the side effects. The GI upset, the pain, the malaise, all that sort of stuff can can somewhat be alleviated with cannabis. Yeah, so really, I mean, it's sounding very similar to the reasons why people are using cannabis in their own treatments. Yeah, that's exactly true. I think the big difference that people need to realize is it's a dosing consideration question. And I think that's a great segue because despite the fact that maybe animals and people both have endocannabinoid systems, from what I've learned from you, animals actually respond very differently specifically to THC. So can you talk a little bit about the differences between how humans and animals are responding to these different cannabinoids? The real big difference animals versus people is that dogs appear to have a much greater concentration of CB1 receptors in their brainstem. Uh, so what that means in a, in a real world sense is that dogs on say like a per body weight basis are a lot more sensitive to the effects of THC than say would be a person. And because of that, it's interesting that THC toxicity in a dog is a very, very specific thing. It creates a situation that's called static ataxia. And you know, it's kind of one of these things that once you've seen it, you will know it every time you see it again. It's a very specific set of symptoms. Like these dogs look like, they kind of look like they're asleep on their feet and they kind of have like a real wide stance and they sort of sway back and forth like they're almost gonna fall over, but then they don't. That is classically 
the, the symptoms of THC toxicity. But if it gets worse than that, dogs actually can die as a result of THC. Now, technically speaking, they're not really dying from THC toxicity per se, but the case reports of dogs that have died have been dogs that were so intoxicated that they vomited and aspirated and they wound up dying of pneumonia. So one way or the other, unfortunately, the end result is the same. You know, so that's one issue. And the second issue is really just, you know, when we're talking about cannabis and this is, you know, particularly with with psychoactive cannabinoids like THC, the other thing that we have to be aware of is like as a person, if I have some medical condition that THC could benefit, it may be that me being a little bit or even potentially a lot stoned is just going to be par for the course with the treatment that needs to happen. And if that's the case, then I just have to live with it. But you know what? I mean, having your dog or your cat or any other animal intoxicated on THC is not okay. Um, So oftentimes when we're dosing THC, the goal is, is to find what is the highest dose that we can get these guys on and have them not have any side effects. So is THC still valuable as a cannabinoid when it comes to pets? Absolutely, yes. We've seen a lot of benefits with THC in animals. You know, unfortunately, just because of research considerations, it's not something that we really have on paper as it pertains to veterinary medicine. But again, you know, there's every reason to suspect that THC will have many, if not all of the same benefits that it does for people. I look at cannabis in the same way that I would look at any pharmaceutical in my practice in the sense that you weigh the pros and the cons and you make sure that you're dosing appropriately. And if you do that with cannabis, then what you wind up with is a medication that's effective and a medication that's very safe. You know, when you look at the majority of the pet products out there, they're, you know, predominantly CBD products. Is there any of the same considerations of safety or fears that pet owners need to know about around CBD? CBD in particular, especially if we're talking about like a hemp-based CBD product, so something that has little or no THC in it. The good news is, is that the margin of safety for CBD in animals is, is a mile wide. You're not going to do anything like wind up with your dog in the emergency room because you gave it too much CBD. Pretty much the worst thing that's likely to happen is maybe they get a little bit sleepy. The one caveat that I think people do have to be aware of when it comes to hemp-based CBD products is, as you well know, the marketplace out there is a zoo. And there are so many products out there that do not necessarily have in them what they say on the label. Maybe they have other things in them that they shouldn't, pesticides, fungicides, other contaminants, et cetera. So it's very much a buyer beware neighborhood, particularly when it comes to hemp-based products because there is no regulation there. And it's kind of ironic that at least here in California, the regulations are reasonably good when you go to a dispensary, like those products have been analyzed. You have a pretty good level of confidence that what it says on the label is what you're getting. That is absolutely not true if you go to the pet store or the health right. store to buy over-the-counter CBD. Yeah, amazing. And actually that feeds into the other conversation where I know that the, I think it's called the Association of Medical Veterinarians. Is that right? Or am I, I may be saying it wrong. The American Veterinary Medical Association? Yeah that, yeah. that they have for the longest time been adamant about the belief that, that veterinarians are not allowed to talk about cannabis. And so right. is that shifting and changing now in today's modern world or is that still pretty rock solid? 
Shifting, yes, changed, absolutely not. We are at a point, for lack of a better term, I'm gonna call it the medical establishment, if you will. We're at a point where the establishment is now acknowledging that cannabis warrants further study, which on the one hand maybe sounds like a cop-out, but on the other hand realize, I mean, that's a real big step from five years ago when it was pretty much just reefer madness, when it was like, you know, you might as well just shoot your dog up with heroin. So we've definitely gotten that far. You know, on a more local level, there are several states that have been looking at legislation that would allow veterinarians more leeway to discuss and recommend cannabis. Last year in California, we got a law passed that allowed veterinarians to discuss the use of cannabis with pet owners. And this year, we still have a bill pending that effectively would put veterinarians on the same playing field that physicians have been on since 1996 with regards to actually recommending the use of cannabis. Since CBD is now legal in the United States, that's opened up much needed access for pet owners who want to try using cannabis for their animals. But determining which products are best, which ones are safe, and where to get them, well, it can be tricky. To learn more about what it's like to manufacture cannabis pet products, we spoke to one of the earliest pioneers in the category, Juliana Carella, who's the founder of Treatables, which makes CBD products for pets. I've known Juliana for years since I started in cannabis, and my trust and respect in what she's doing has only grown and grown. So can you tell us how you even got into making cannabis products for pets? Sure. Well, it started as a human product line called Auntie Dolores, but the folks that were using those products few years into our business in that particular category, our customers actually started to ask us if they could give the same products to their animals. And knowing what we know about THC and its you know, potential toxicity for animals and knowing what we knew about CBD and how it's non-toxic and safe and was being given to children for epilepsy, it just seemed like a, a natural progression for us. And we had all the resources um, at our fingertips in order to cultivate CBD here in California. And that's how we got the Treatables brand started, was literally by just experimenting uh, with cultivating CBD strains and then experimenting with the products that we uh, produced from those strains and experimenting on our animals at home, you know, my staff members' animals and so forth. So that's really how it got started about seven years ago now. And, and what type of cannabis pet products do you guys make? So we started off with our um, dog chews because that was, uh, you know, very similar to the products we were making for humans, you know, cannabis infused products. And then we moved on to some of the more classic animal um, dosage form type products like droppers and capsules. Uh, so right now we've, we still make the dog chews. We've got hard chews, soft chews dropper bottles, capsules, um, oil ready packs, and we're introducing uh, new products all the time. So the, the million dollar question is, what is the reasons why people are using your pet products? Sure, that's a great question. And it's very similar to what humans would be using these products for. Uh, CBD works really well for anxiety and all types of anxiety, mainly separation anxiety, but also great for any type of joint inflammation and pain, hip dysplasia, all the things that animals experience with their um, joint problems. 
And then seizures. That's another big category. Lots of animals are using our product to abate seizures. But of course, there's many other conditions that are popping up that a lot of our customers are experiencing relief uh, with our product. And, and some of these conditions are not as well known. So that's been interesting to see. And then also other species, different species that we don't necessarily market products to, but are aware that are using our product. You mean beyond dogs and cats or beyond even just dogs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we make products for dogs, cats, and horses, um, but we know for certain that, for instance, many different farm animals enjoy our product. We've got wildlife safari animals. There's a 600-pound grizzly bear up at the Wildlife Safari in Oregon that uses our product for hind leg arthritis, on down to reptiles and small pocket-sized animals, hamsters, rabbits, pet mice, uh, you name it. They all have an endocannabinoid system and receptors that respond. And it's just a matter of dosage and the proper, you know, cannabinoid profile to dial in a product that's going to be giving them the type of relief that they need. So you kind of mentioned dosages and then also previously you had mentioned toxicity. And I think that there's a general kind of fear and concern about using cannabis products for pets. And so do people need to be worried about giving cannabis products to their animals? I guess I would have to answer that question in two parts. You know, giving animals cannabis products with THC is something that we think that a very knowledgeable vet should manage because THC can be beneficial in some doses and toxic and even deadly in larger doses. So it's really important that they work with a vet that understands that. Now, our product line is derived from hemp. So this is a full spectrum hemp oil product that has a lot of cannabinoids in it, but the THC content is well below the 0.3%. And with that, when the products are made from this oil, that THC content just becomes so diluted that the end products have a very, very low, almost non-detectable uh, level of THC, which is well below the toxic level, and it's certainly below the, the legal level as well. So for us to provide a product that could be branded and marketed across the country, we needed to use hemp for that product. But we also feel that most animals are responding really, really well to a full spectrum hemp product. And the absence of THC is, is not something that's ever been an issue. It's how we avoid um, toxicity. And for the animals that have really advanced cases of cancer and, and other conditions where THC might be advisable, then we refer them to one of the vets in our network that we feel could handle that type of case. So I hope that explains it. <laughs> That's amazing. And so I'd love to hear actually from you, what have been some of your most interesting stories or favorite stories from customers who have tried your products with their pets? You know, the ones that probably stand out the most are the ones where, you know, you've got a hundred pound dog that's responding to like something as low as three or four milligrams to abate his seizures or his anxiety. I mean, we get those stories all the time, but then we get stories from other types of animal practitioners. For instance, the, the grizzly bear that I had mentioned earlier, that was a case that was really unique to us. And it happened because the bear had come out of hibernation 
amputation and he had really bad hind leg arthritis and actually couldn't walk. So his handler at the wildlife safari purchased the product independently and started giving him up to about 275 milligrams a day. And here he is 10 months later and he's been running around like a bear cub ever since. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Julianne. This was great. And now, a word from our sponsor. You know that feeling when you're at home and you need some food, but you really don't want to get in your car and go drive to get it? Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service, all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver it. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S., and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. Heck, you don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free, browse local restaurants and businesses, and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code FLOWERNATION. That's code FLOWERNATION for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with the code FLOWERNATION. Now, all of this talk about cannabis for pets sounds really compelling, but what I wanted to find out was whether it really worked. So I put the word out to my network that we were looking for any stories of people who had used cannabis for their pets, and that's when I connected with Alex. Like most families, Alex loved his dog. So when Jeannie, his beloved Airedale Terrier, got cancer, he turned to cannabis for treatment, and well, the results were profound. So how old was Jeannie when he got diagnosed with cancer? Uh, he was seven and a half. And I have to imagine that getting a cancer diagnosis in the nasal passage doesn't leave you with a whole lot of good options. No, it was horrifying. I mean, the, the whole thing was incredibly devastating to us. And, you know, Jeannie was an Airedale Terrier and Terriers are giant noses. They're all nose. And uh, it was incredible. It just devastating to watch this tumor grow. We could literally watch it grow out of his nose. That must have been so scary. We didn't even know what to make of it. The first time he was diagnosed, they had to go remove it surgically. Afterwards, they actually came back with a benign result. They said that the tumor was fine. And then literally in the next week when we brought him home, we, we could literally physically watch the tumor grow. In the following week, it literally grew to twice the size that it was originally. And at that point, he was diagnosed with uh, sarcoma and it was malignant. And how did you guys decide to go down the cannabis path? After the second procedure where the tumor was removed again, oncologists basically told us that we did the best we could, but the margins are still there. We're almost certain that the cancer is going to return. So you basically have two options. One is to do nothing. His prognosis was three to four months, and it wasn't going to be a comfortable time either because his tumor was going to grow. It was going to affect his breathing. It was going to affect his eating. It was just going to be a painful way to go. And the second alternative was radiation treatment. The challenge with radiation treatment, besides the fact that in three weeks you have to make 21 to 28 visits to the radiation center, the challenge was that 
it was actually going to ruin his sense of smell. It was going to have horrible side effects. So for the fact that they were going to increase his prognosis from three to four months to six to nine months while he had to go through this radiation treatment, it just didn't seem like a good option to us. And then when we considered the financial aspect of it, we had already spent close to $25,000 on two surgeries. They told us that it was going to be another $25,000 for the radiation treatment. We didn't know how we were going to afford it. We didn't know what we were going to do. I mean, we were really in panic. So really, the way we got to cannabis was we didn't have any other option. And what protocol did you put him on? My wife and I uh, have been in the medical cannabis industry for 15 years, so we have quite a bit of experience. So we followed a lot this Canadian uh, named Rick Simpson, who treated so many people with stage four cancer, stage three cancer, sarcomas, lymphomas, melanomas, and had amazing results. And he didn't, he wasn't commercialized at all. So we followed him. We followed his research. We looked at what he did. And then we actually realized that he was actually treating dogs. And he was having even better results than he was with humans. And after doing more research, we discovered that dogs actually have more endocannabinoid receptors in their brain stems than humans do. So we thought it was a great option to explore. So we created a topical solution because it was on his nose. And we created also an oral tincture, which we gave him twice a day. And was the tincture THC and CBD? It was. It was a one-to-one ratio. Following Rick Simpson's research, he really felt strongly that it was the THC that killed the cancer cells and not the CBD, even though CBD is obviously important. Uh, but really what the important thing is the entourage effect and the synergistic effect of cannabis. Uh, so it was a one-to-one ratio, but we really used a full plant extract. And what happened? How, how did he respond? We couldn't have even dreamed how well he responded. First of all, he immediately seemed to improve his quality of life. His eating got a little bit better. Needless to say, two and a half months, we returned to the veterinarian. There was no tumor, and they declared him cancer-free and in remission. It blew our mind. We wanted to tell everyone. The sad thing was that the veterinarian was in a position where they really couldn't discuss cannabis with us, and they really didn't know what to say. We went to go see another veterinarian, and uh, our base veterinarian, not the oncologist, and she told us that she had many anecdotal stories. She had lots of empirical evidence of cannabis working on cancer, on anxiety, all sorts of different issues. And she told us that we had an obligation to kind of tell our story and move this process forward. And what do you feel like you learned now going through this process of treating pets with cannabis? We met many, many other families who kind of went through the same thing, who we helped also with this process, who we helped develop their tinctures and their oral topicals for animals. And they also had very great results. One thing surprisingly I learned is I think that people actually relate to their animals, to their pets, sometimes better than they do to humans. They connect to them more. I really felt that the people that would be more susceptible to giving cannabis to their pets would be people who are already cannabis informed, who had cannabis experience. But really what I found out is people are so in love with their animals that they will try anything to heal them, to make them feel better. And uh, their animals feel better than the people feel better. I think that's a great final question to ask here, which is that lots of people might be hearing this and have animals that are dealing with different kinds of things and considering cannabis. But, you know, there's a lot of fear and trepidation around it. And so what would be your words of wisdom to somebody who's got a sick pet and is listening to this right now? Don't give up. There's options out there. And I know that it's really challenging for veterinarians. But I'll tell you, veterinarians are some of the most loving, sensitive, dedicated professionals I've run into in my career. And there's doctors like the Dr. Richter, Dr. Hizah out of Los Angeles, Dr. Andre out of Colorado, Dr. Frankenberg out of San Diego. There are people who will help you. So find those veterinarians that will help you. Find those professionals and don't give up. Thanks so much. 
So what did we learn today? Well, we learned that all animals have an endocannabinoid system, which means that the appropriate doses of cannabis can help them achieve a state of homeostasis and balance, just like in humans. We also learned that pets have more endocannabinoid receptors in their brains than humans do, which is what makes them more susceptible to THC. So you have to be extra super careful when it comes to dosing because too much THC could be toxic. We also learned that there are some great cannabis pet products out there, but you have to be careful and you have to validate what you're getting. Looking for trusted brands is important. And finally, we learned that sometimes cannabis can work miracles for your little four-legged friends, even when you don't have a lot of good options. So as always, you might have to take a leap of faith and be willing to experiment with cannabis, even when others don't think it's such a good idea. But that doesn't mean that it won't be extremely powerful. On that note, being that this is our last episode of season one, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for being such a loyal listener of this show and sharing so many of your stories and feedback with us. We're grateful to have you in the Greenflower Nation tribe. And yes, we will be back with the second season. So in the meantime, make sure to catch up on all the previous episodes. And if you're compelled, please leave a rating because that really does help more people discover the show. And for one last time in season one, we'd like to turn this episode to you, our Greenflower Nation listeners, to better understand the impact cannabis is having on your life or the people around you. So please go to green-flower.com forward slash nation to share your story and get some additional valuable tools to support you on your cannabis journey. So thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this season and make sure to follow Greenflower on all your social media channels to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the cannabis education universe that we're building. Thank you.